0: John McNamese and Cap, as many chats as possible. On this episode, we speak to Joe Cannon, the supplement geek. He knows everything about sports supplements. He knows what works, what doesn't work, and we really tap up that knowledge today. He he believes in analysing supplements based on kind of scientific merit rather than hype or kind of, you know, advertising spiel. He really looks at the supplement and if it's useful. So we if you take supplements, this might give you an idea of if you're wasting your money or just pissing your money down the sink, um, because your supplements might be useless, or they might be really good, and he'll tell us what, what's good in the world of supplements and what's not, uh, so I know I take a fair few supplements, so I, I get my little supplements out and get Joe Cannon to give a kind of spiel on that, everything from kind of multivitamins to to uh, kind of whey protein and creatine. So just getting his view on, on what he thinks of the supplements I take and, and maybe that you take, so you can kind of uh, get his kind of scientific view on them supplements and if they, are, if they are useful. We don't want to waste our money or piss our money away on, on useless supplements. So that is why Joe Cannon, the supplement geek, is going to tell us all we need to know about supplements. And we also play a little fun little game, as always at the end, and this is a supplement-themed game. It's a good one. Okay, let's go chat to Joe.
1: You might have heard of M Rap, but have you heard of AMCAP? As many chats as possible with John McNamee as your host. Join John with his great guest for lots of random chats. It's better for you than saturated fat. It's not just crossfit chats, it's lots of other stuff. And we'll keep chatting until you've had enough. Hey, is that Joe? It is Joe. Good to finally talk to you.
2: Uh, so, do you want to give us a bit of a, kind of, we're really straight into it, but do you want to give us a, kind of a bit of an insight into how you became the supplement geek and how you got so interested in supplements?
1: Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm a bit of an oddball in this industry, as I tell people, because by training, I'm an exercise physiologist. My master's degree is in exercise science. Um, I also have an undergrad degree in chemistry and biology. And I got into this stuff, uh, gee whiz, it was probably the early to mid-1990s, I found myself... Uh, Uh, in school, and I was writing for this health and fitness magazine, and I decided one month I was going to write about a weight loss supplement that was very popular at the time, and I I wrote about it, but I based my review on what the research said, and ironically, I found what the research said didn't, didn't line up with what the advertisements were saying, and the research said it didn't work, and so I reported on that. And then I picked another one, and I found the same thing, and another one, and another one, and another one. And then I kind of almost became like Fox Mulder of the X-Files. I said, the truth's got to be out there. And so I just started investigating dietary supplements and writing about them, and fortunately this Health this and fitness magazine let me write giant reviews, like 5,000 words, and they didn't put a, t- put a word limit on me, and I just went to town. That eventually led to me writing a book on dietary supplements, which I'm in the process of rewriting and updating now, and then... Um, but around 2009, 2010, I said I'm going to take it on the internet and I created supplement-geek.com, uh, tagline being uh, supplement reviews without the hype. And basically what I'll do is I'll take a product and I deconstruct it by its ingredients and look for the research on the ingredients as well as any research on the product and try to make sense of it.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I it's interesting because mm-hmm. I, I buy supplements online quite a lot and... Uh, there's all these wild claims, a lot of before and after pitches. And so is there any kind of restrictions on, on what you can say, say, as a supplements company selling supplements?
1: Well, in America, I'm not familiar with the laws in the UK, but in America, sure. They're, for instance, it's often said in America, there's no, uh, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, does not regulate dietary supplements. And in fact, they do. There's been a law uh, in effect since uh, the early 1990s called the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act. Uh, essentially, this law says that uh, has many stipulations. one of them being you cannot make a disease claim. So uh, a bottle of supplements cannot say, for instance, uh, prevents breast cancer, cures breast cancer, treats breast cancer, or anything like that. But what they are allowed to do is use uh, phrases that are often called structure function claims. These are claims that require less evidence. And what they do is they, they, they tell a person who's buying the supplements how the product might be used in the body. So an easy, easy way to, to recognize these claims is that they usually contain words like supports, Maintains aid, so they might a supplement might say supports breast health, for instance. But you know, how does it support breast health? Well, we can't go into that. We're just saying it's supporting it. Um, So these are fairly vague uh, statements about how the product is used in the body. That is allowed. Um, Another part of the law is that um, you don't have to, for instance, go through uh, several years of clinical testing to prove it actually works. Um, that's good, I understand that, because it does keep the price of dietary supplements down. Um, but I, I, I myself, I like to look for research, and I don't buy the argument that research is expensive. Uh, it can be pretty expensive. You find some graduate student at a university, give him a bottle of supplements, and let him go to town for a couple months or even a month and see if it works or not. Um, so those are part of the stipulations um, that they, they are allowed to do. Um, so, you know, there, there, there is some regulations out there.
2: Yeah. And so, have you ever been, say, approached by a supplements company to, I guess, either run research for them or, you know, cross-check well, their claims or have, like, the independence checked by the Supplement Geek or anything like that?
1: Well... So that would be quite I appealing, wouldn't it? Just, like, kind of a yes,
2: independent... It, cer-
1: it certainly would. I don't have access to a laboratory, so I can't test them myself. I can just go by what the research says that I can find uh, on PubMed.gov. PubMed yeah. is the next... Na- library medicine. So uh, if there's a study, I can find it. I can read the study. I can go to a local library. I can, I can read it myself. I can purchase it if necessary and, uh, and, and see how it was, how it was done. Um, and then report on the, the pluses and if any minuses of the research. Um, occasionally, uh, supplement companies will reach out to me and say, hey, try my product. Um, usually I like to try to buy the products myself that way I'm, 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 I'm very independent if I, you know, as independent as I possibly can be uh, about these sort of things but in terms of testing them I don't have that facility sometimes I do wish I was back in grad school where I did have access to a laboratory and could do some of this stuff but uh, unfortunately it's not not in the in, 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 in a real possibility right now
2: yeah and what, what would you say or I don't know if you can say your biggest kind of expose if you like or the biggest kind of research you came across which you th- which kind of was you know got you most kind of back up or and got the supplement companies thinking well hang on a minute we are making some bogus claims
1: you know what? If, if, if none of them have ever reached out to me uh, and, and said, "Hey, Joe, you changed our thinking on things." Um, so not, nothing in, in terms of that. There have been products that I have reviewed that have had research on them, and I've said, "Oh, that's an interesting study. That's not an interesting study." So I try to call it right down the middle. But in terms of uh, anything jumping out at me and, and saying, you know, where I said, "Wow, th- you know, this is uh, this is something to, to, to look at," um, there have been some things. You know, uh, for instance, one one that I was I am I am pretty impressed with it is um, there's there's research on a product called Age. Garlic extract, um, where it's it's an extract of garlic, and it has some evidence that it might uh, play a role in helping heart disease or you know slow down the progression of heart disease. So that's one that I I have seen a good amount of studies on, um, and 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 I have no no qualms saying hey that's something for people to take a look at.
2: So have you got any kind of quick wins? You mentioned the aged garlic extract. Any kind of quick wins of supplements you you would recommend or we should be taking?
1: You know, it, it depends on what the person's problem or issues or concerns might be. I don't think there's any one perfect supplement for everybody out there. Um, you know, what I would say, uh, you know, considering that most people don't have the greatest diet, um, I would say that across the board, the best supplement would most likely be a salad um, or a yeah, fruit. Right. Yeah, like that. yeah. <laughs> that's good supplements. Yeah, and and I would say that because most people don't go around eating salads every day, but I know that if if you're eating a salad or a fruit and veggie smoothie where you throw a bunch of fruits and veggies in in a blender and maybe throw some protein powder in it, um, I know that there's going to be a broader spectrum of nutrients in those things than in, in any pill. Um, so I, I would say that would be across the board the best supplement for pretty much everybody to take every day. Um, but you know, there's other than that, there's nothing I, I would say you know that everybody should be taking. It depends on what their unique needs and concerns and, and wants might be. Uh, for instance, I, I you know uh, what, what do you normally take?
2: So well, I think I said I was quite interested to get your thoughts on the supplements I take. So I've, I've got them lined up if you want to go through them. And sure. Be be fair to lay into me and say I've wasted my money by all the marketing and all the bogus claims we were just slagging off. Okay. Uh, so, um, I'll start off with a, a straightforward kind of multivitamin, but I guess okay. it was kind of marketed quite well, at, well, at least at me, because it's a multivitamin called Alpha Men, so I think I sent you the link to this. Um, did you have a chance to check that out, and what are your thoughts on that?
1: I did. I I, I looked at it. Um, I would say that uh, I don't think you need a supplement called Alpha Man because you're putting yourself out there on the Internet and making yourself uh, available to other people. So I would already consider somebody who goes on the Internet and and, and tries to help other people an alpha male already. So right off the bat. uh, Oh, yeah. Joe, stop it. (laughs) When I saw the name, I thought, well, a lot of marketing, but right off the bat, you probably don't need anything since you're already most likely uh, in that ilk as it is. But I looked at the ingredients. Um, I I see it's got a lot of vitamins and and some minerals and stuff like that, but one of the things that jumped out at me would be um, it's got an awful lot of vitamin B12, and I I often see vitamin B12 in energy supplements, Um, and the reason for that is when we become low in vitamin B12, we might become anemic, and one of the side effects of anemia is you feel tired, Well, the thing with vitamin B12 is that, yes, it's a water-soluble vitamin, but it uh, it is unique in that we store vitamin B12 in the body for we have about a couple years' worth in the human body. So unless you are an older person, like in their 70s, they may not absorb it very well as we get older, Um, or maybe a vegan who's not eating very well uh, and not watching their vitamins as close as they should, eventually we would run out of it. But the average person, young, healthy, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, something like that, may not need vitamin B12. So I sometimes raise an eyebrow when I see lots and lots of B12 in in any kind of supplement. Um, But the other thing I noticed about about it uh, was that it's got a lot of also... um, uh, niacin, I believe it's got uh, well over 100% of niacin that's going to potentially cause what's sometimes called the niacin flush. Um, and, and I sometimes see niacin in pre workout supplements. Um, the, the thing with niacin, yeah, it'll make you feel a little warm, um, but too much, and, I, and, and again, it depends on who we're talking about, too much can be a little bad for the liver. Um, and in terms of vitamin B6, it's got a lot of B6, which can also cause some tingling in the, in the body and maybe even a little temporary numbness. Uh, you, know, I, I, you, know, so, you know, to the credit, I did see those warnings on the yeah, list. Yeah, I think
2: that is on the, on the actual pack that may cause uh, numbness. Um, yeah. Where does that so, come from? How does it cause numbness?
1: Um, just causes a little bit of irritation to the nerves in the body. It's a temporary effect. So, um, you know, I'm glad they mentioned it. I think that's, that's a really good thing they did. Um, but overall, you know, multivitamins, I, I think, that if you want to take an inexpensive multivitamin, I think they're perfectly fine. Uh, whether they help or not help is debatable. On who you talk to, um, I, I, you know, a lot of people would say, you know, it's not bad insurance to take, um, just in case you're not eating perfectly, which is fine. Again, this the, the product you're taking has some things in it that I'm not sure if we need them or not. Uh, you know, like for instance, you know, gins- uh, Korean ginseng extract, ginkgo biloba. You know, these are things that I'm not convinced human beings actually need to be using, especially on a regular basis. So, yeah. Um,
2: yeah. I'm so right, it's, just to go back to your point on B12, yeah. I've just got the pack in front of me. It says. Uh, Five thousand percent of your recommended daily intake, all multivitamins seem to have like over one hundred percent. Is that seen as like a marketing thing, or is that just because they p- pile it in, or why is that?
1: Well, vitamin B12 is pretty innocuous as vitamins go. It, I, I'm not really aware of anything horrible that it does. Uh, studies pretty much show it's, you know, you store it, and maybe, maybe you get rid of any excess that you're not using. But uh, I, I also do think it is a good amount of marketing because the anemia factor with B12 is very, is very popular with people. And especially with older adults, I always remember my grandmother when she was about 100, uh, she would get a shot every so often at B12 and she'd be bouncing off the walls for a little while. Oh, I have so much energy now. Yeah. Um, and the shots will do that because they bypass the stomach and they get in right, right into the bloodstream where you can use them to make more red blood cells. So in someone who's very old, I, I do see that. And even a sublingual B12 will probably also help improve energy levels uh, in, in someone who's deficient. But, you know, it, it's an innocuous vitamin for the most part, and uh, it does have some, uh, new, some anemia, anti-anemia reputation. So that's most likely uh, why a lot, of, a lot of products contain B12.
2: And so would it be fair to say, based on your kind of comments, if you're getting that salad, which you said is the number one, I guess if you call it a supplement or just go-to kind of base, that you don't really need a multivitamin?
1: You can definitely make that argument, because uh, you're, you're going to be having a lot of vitamins and minerals. And, and not only the vitamins and minerals, but also the phytonutrients, which are uh, gaining in popularity here in America. These are the, essentially the colors of the plants. The colors, uh, the oranges, the purples, the greens, the yellows, they tend to contain compounds that protect the plant from environmental toxins and bugs and stuff like that. And when we eat those plants, we get the same protection. And so, it's one of the reasons I'll, I'll fall back on something like a, a salad. I know it's going to have the phytonutrients, you know, as well as the vitamins and minerals and stuff like that.
2: Yeah. And, but I guess it'd be fair to say from a salad, you would not get 5,000% of your vitamin B12. But would you also say you don't need 5,000% of your vitamin B12, of the recommended I, daily allowance?
1: I think most people probably do not.
2: That's a fair assumption. Okay, well, I'll crack on through my vitamins. Uh, hopefully, these are relevant as well to a lot of people listening. Quite uh, standard vitamins, I haven't gone crazy and bought them really weird ones on the internet. Um, So, because we've got a multivitamin, now you mentioned a bit, you touched on it briefly, that vitamins kind of, or the in supplements come in and out of of fashion. So, I've got uh, another vitamin on top of the multivitamin for vitamin D3. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I don't know if it's the same in America, but there's been a lot of kind of publicity in the UK around kind of, it's quite, I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of coming to good old England, but it's quite grey and miserable, so we don't get enough sunshine. So there's been an actual kind of government advice to take a vitamin D supplement. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I have been to the UK. I was there about 20 years ago. I am mostly Scottish. So, oh, there you go. Uh, you I definitely have rel- need some vitamin D. Yes, I have relatives in Faldhouse, Scotland. So if they're listening, hi from America, relatives from Faldhouse, Scotland. Um, so vitamin D is very popular over here as well. And because you make it when you go out into the sun, and problem is we may not go out into the sun as much, and you guys over in the UK may not get as much sun, and also older adults may not make vitamin D as well as younger adults do, um, just because it's part, you know, ha- happens as we get older, you know, we may not be as good at doing that. What I would say when it comes to vitamin D is have you had your vitamin D levels checked? Why I it, no, no. I don't, I
2: don't know t- if that was a rhetorical question or you <laughs> asking me. <laughs>
1: Well, I would ask you I ask anybody else. Um, you guys have that, that great health insurance system over there. So I'd say go and get your vitamin D levels checked um, and, and let's see if you are deficient in vitamin D. Um, and, and, and if you are, maybe a vitamin D uh, supplement might be might be warranted. Vitamin D and vitamin A are interesting. And I say this forget get your levels checked because DNA, if they were discovered today, would probably be called hormones and not vitamins. They look more like a hormone than they do a vitamin. and so they tend to do a lot of different things in the body that I I think we're still trying to uh, understand. Uh, We know that vitamin D helps the bones stay strong, yes. Uh, But for instance, getting back to the older adults uh, for a moment, there are several studies that find that when you give vitamin D supplements to older adults, they don't fall down as much. It seems seems to improve their balance. Um, and, and, and that's fact that to me that is the sexiest thing about vitamin D uh, the fact that it might actually uh, make their muscles react a little quicker when they think they're going to fall and they catch themselves uh, so you don't see that with a regular vitamin so vitamin D and vitamin A also tend to have a global effect in the I do many different things um, what is debatable is debatable as to what is optimal vitamin D uh, so if you do get your vitamin D level checked uh, here in America normal vitamin D is said to be around 30 on a blood test and that 30 is uh, for bone health. What about heart health? What about depression? What about all kinds of other things that people say vitamin D does? I'm not so sure, because I, I don't think the research is there yet. Many experts would recommend a, a level of somewhere between 30 and maybe 60 on a blood test. Some people say as high as 80. Uh, so, again, I, I, again, I would, I, would, I would tell people to go and speak to their doctor or even their pharmacist about that and see what they have to think, because everybody's going to be a little different on this.
2: Yeah. So you definitely know you're speaking to the supplement geek when he uses uh, sexy and vitamin D in the same sentence.
1: <laughs> they don't let me out much. So. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I find vitamin D very sexual. Is it, is it true that vitamin D can um, increase your testosterone? Is I
1: have you know? never, seen, I've never seen any data on vitamin D raising testosterone levels. So it, 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 I wouldn't rule it out in somebody who is extremely low, like maybe in the single digits but I haven't seen any studies of vitamin D and testosterone. You give me something to look at. I'll, I'll definitely take a look at this uh, maybe when we get off, and I'll, I'll see if I can find any data yeah, on no, it. No, I,
2: I, I, I haven't got any studies, to this. You've you found me out. But uh, okay. no, I, I definitely uh, i have read some stuff uh, online about vitamin D and testosterone. But so I'll try and dig it out if I, if I can find anything. Uh, give right. it to the supplement geek. Um, speaking of testosterone, now this is a supplement I, I genuinely believe in, and you can <laughs> rip it apart now. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I got some ZMA. You, yes. ZMA? It's quite big in uh, kind of like... Yes. Well, uh, I don't know. For me, I find it big with people who go to the gym for kind of recovery. You take it before you go to bed. Uh, it's like zinc, magnesium, where you can tell us a bit more, uh, mm-hmm. and B12, and then it kind of... You take it on an empty stomach at night and it kind of recovers your body. Uh,
1: supplement geek, go. So so ZMA, a popular supplement in America as well. I haven't seen... Uh, a lot of people ask me about it lately. Uh, the last... Uh, time I looked at it, which was you know not recently. I, I, I do do remember seeing a study was published about uh, about 10 years or so ago on young weightlifters, and they you put them on this supplement and put them on a strength training program, and the results showed they didn't get any stronger. It did not raise their testosterone levels or any other hormones. Uh, and and what I liked about the study is these were not beginners; these were uh, guys who were used to lifting weights. And so that's what I want to see because that's a lot of people who would probably be interested in that because if I remember right, it's usually touted as something that might raise hormone levels and make you stronger. I haven't seen a lot of studies on it, but it has not really been on my radar yet. I can only think of that, that one study. And I believe the study had about 40 to 43, 44 people in it, which is you know, a little bit larger than your average supplement study. I'd like to see something of about 100 or more people if I can get it. Uh, but you know, it's still not a small amount as supplement studies go. So if, if you like it, I would say great, fantastic. Uh, I, that one study, if I'm remembering right as well, showed it didn't really increase zinc levels either. Zinc is also said to be a testosterone booster, if I remember correctly. Um, I believe it was a uh, about 11 or 10 or 11% increase uh, in zinc levels, which those researchers said was non-significant. Still, I would say a 10 or 11% increase in zinc was, you know, people significant, uh, but it wasn't statistically significant. But uh, if you'd like to you keep taking it, um, again, I haven't really looked at it in, in depth. I can only think about one study, which, again, was several years ago.
2: Yeah, for me, uh, I don't know, maybe it is a bit placebo, but when I do take it, I take it obviously at night and then go to bed, and it, it's meant to help you get into a deeper sleep. Uh, I do feel like I have had a deep sleep but maybe I don't know it's hard to say isn't it as you say there's limited research and you can only go off your, what your own kind of experiences are um, yeah. I just, certainly yeah. on the reviews like um, I don't know what you think of user reviews on kind of these websites but obviously some of them are bogus but some of them seem like you know generally people who've bought it and singing its praises uh, like um, you know in terms of how good it's made them felt or do you think people do get a bit carried away you know when they buy something there's an expectation it's going to have an effect? or Where where do you think the basis of them reviews is? Is it genuine, it has an effect, or is it just kind of in their mindset, they've paid the money, they want to see an effect?
1: I'm sure there are people who take supplements and and notice a difference. Uh, And sometimes this can actually be a real bona fide effect. Uh, So I, I, I don't discount uh, testimonials. In fact, sometimes I think sometimes people tell me things that I don't turn up in my research. So I often find that the comments of my own website are some of the most interesting things. So I won't, I won't discount it, even though I tend to always go to the research myself. Sometimes, you know, just because, there, as I like to say, just because there's no research on something does not mean something does not work. It just means somebody has, nobody's gotten around to looking, for, looking at it yet. So I, I think the testimonials do have their place. But I also know that sometimes testimonials can be fake, as you know as well. Uh, You can go on a you can go on a website and you can pay to have people just make comments for a website, and they'll say, "Hey, it's great, it's wonderful." So that that those kind of shenanigans do go on, and so I'll I'll look at that. And so you know, if I go on Amazon.com, you'll always see you know, uh, hey, five star reviews, and then you'll see the one star reviews. I tend to look at the three star reviews because they sometimes tell me the good and the not so good, and I think they might find that they might be in the sweet spot, you know, more so glowing five stars.
2: Yeah, you know, I said that before that, that little trick of the three-star reviews on Amazon being the best yeah. ones to read.
1: And that's true for pretty much any review site as well. So I do look at the reviews uh, uh, online as well as Amazon and other sites and I do look at the testimonials I, you know, and, and so I keep them in the back of my mind. The are completely glowing things. Sometimes you can, sometimes some of these testimonials are written by people who sell the product and, and so there's a bias there because they want to sell the product and sometimes they'll leave a link to their, uh, their, their seller page where you can buy it directly from them and they can get a commission nothing wrong with that, I like capitalism as much as the next person, but I'll, I'll consider that when I read what they have to say so, you know, it, uh, so like I said, I'm on, I'm on, I, I like testimonials, I just like to balance it with the research
2: yeah, cool and then just to finish off what do you class as a supplement, because I've also got some uh, whey protein and creatine, would you still class that as, I guess that is a supplement, right? Oké, Okay. okay, okay
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I like whey protein. Uh, you know, and some people say, well, we eat too much protein. You know, but not everybody eats too much protein. You can make an argument that, again, vegetarians, vegans may not get enough. Older adults may not get enough. And, again, if you look at the biggest people on the planet, bodybuilders, they're eating a lot of protein and they're getting big. So, you know, the research on protein says we don't generally need as much as, say, the big big bodybuilders are using. Uh, if you're getting somewhere around 0. 0.6 to 0. 0.9 grams per pound. Uh, we, I, I like the pounds over here in America. Everybody says oh, yeah. like if, yeah, you guys there,
2: are there Is that something? Stones yeah, I do know What we work in
1: Yeah over there It's, uh, it's about uh, Gee about 0.8 To I think 1 gram Per kilogram If I remember right But I, I, I still like the, the regular Old fashioned way I'm not I'm not a Metric system fan Yeah um, but if you're getting a little bit more protein than you normally do and you're combining that with a resistance training program, I'm pretty sure that's going to help your muscles grow stronger because, you know, your muscles are about 20% protein. And mo- mostly, it's, muscles are made of water, but uh, it's about 20% protein. So, you're going to be giving your muscles a little bit more of the stuff they need to improve strength and power and stuff like that. So, I'm all for whey protein. Uh, if you're getting... She was, you know, like I said, you're in the 0.6, 0.9 grams per pound range. Uh, That's going to be perfect for the vast majority of people. Bodybuilders and other that elk, they, you know, they they may go as much as, you know, one gram per pound or 1.5 grams per pound. Most people don't need anything like that. Uh, But as for creatine, uh, let me ask you this question. Are you lifting weights?
2: I am lifting weights, yeah. I lift.
1: You lift. Very good. (laughs) How How many reps are you lifting for?
2: Uh, well, I actually do CrossFit and one of them guys, so uh, it, it varies really, but probably low reps, quite uh, in terms of the weight training bit, low reps, uh, so, high high intensity.
1: No, so it's sorry,
2: high low reps, high intensity. weight, high weight. Sorry, uh,
1: high. So it's high weight, high intensity. Uh, you're generally speaking with, it comes to creatine, you know, it, it it really comes into play when you're doing something very intense. And again, you're doing you're doing a, a CrossFit class, which is intense. I haven't seen any data on creatine and CrossFit, so you know, so I'll, I'll reserve uh, speaking on that. Normally, I'd say if you're lifting weights and you're say you're knocking out 15 reps on say a leg press, I'd say you probably don't need creatine because creatine comes into play when you're lifting something very heavy, like one, two, three, four repetition maximum. Uh, you're con- four reps, then I'm saying, okay, creatine might benefit you. But if you're doing, like, you know, 15 reps, 20 reps, you're using a lot of carbohydrates and some fat, uh, mostly during exercise. Could creatine be coming into play during your last repetition or two? It's possible. Uh, I would still like to see some, some data on it. I'm sure creatine is being used at some point, but, you know, how much during CrossFit? Um, it's hard to say. I'm not sure. I'm not sure yeah. on that one. Um, That's a good point.
2: I, I certainly feel like when I don't take the... I get on edge, I'm like a bit obsessive, but when I don't take uh, whey protein... I feel like, oh, am I losing games? Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> not much t- really happens. You don't really, you know, obviously there's no kind of radical difference with or without, but I guess you're just trying to, that little difference, you know, trying to optimise as much as possible or get the most kind of yeah. nutrition into your body.
1: I hear you, I hear you. How much creatine are you taking?
2: Uh, I'm actually out of creatine at the moment, but I think I normally take 5 to 10 milligrams a day or something like that.
1: Okay, usually we, in America we, do, we go by grams and you have the loading phase which is about 20 to 25 grams for a week and then you have about 3 to 5 grams thereafter which is the, what they call the maintenance phase. I'd say if you're taking 3 to 5 grams you're doing fine. I don't necessarily think the loading phase is necessary for most people. was uh, a study done as far as 20 years ago that showed the, load, the maintenance phase is almost just as good as the loading phase. just takes a little longer to kick in. So uh, if you are done three to five grams, you're, you're fine. It's not gonna, and it's not, not going to hurt you. Creatine's pretty safe. You know, uh, there, there, there's uh, uh, research out there. Cr- people have been using creatine for you know, decades, and I don't, I don't see anything bad popping up. As long as you're healthy and you've got uh, healthy kidneys, healthy liver, uh, and you've got no heart or blood pressure problems, i got no real issues with creatine.
2: Yeah. So that, is there anything um, from your kind of research where you have seen, uh, kind of a, other than wasting money, I guess, a detrimental health effect. So you said creatine's kind of fine, you know, take yeah. it or leave it. And uh, we talked a bit about before B- B12, was it, with the tingling, but it's, it's a temporary thing. Is there anything that is a danger with, uh, with taking all these supplements?
1: Well, when you're taking, the more supplements you take, the more I wonder about supplement-supplement interactions. So there's not a lot of data on, hey, a supplement A and how it it interacts with supplement B and D and C and, you know, and so on. So they throw a lot of products in there, and and I'm not sure about that. And then when you combine that with the medications people are taking, then I start, you know, I start saying, whoa I'm not sure what's happening here. Across the board, when people ask me about supplements, I say, number one, the first thing I do is I assume it's a blood thinner. So... uh, A lot of things are primitive, acting blood thinners in the body. They won't hurt you um, unless, for instance, you're maybe taking a blood-thinning medication, which doctors will prescribe to people who may have heart problems. Uh, But there are many supplements that do act as blood thinners. For instance, vitamin A, vitamin E, ginkgo, ginseng, garlic, resveratrol, CoQ10, uh, fish oil, krill oil. I just rattle off some just top off the top of my head. Uh, Yeah. As a rule, when people ask me, I say, "Well, if, if I and if I don't know it, I'll say it's, it may be a, it may be a blood thinner. And if you're taking a blood thinner, run this past your doctor or pharmacist, and let's see what they think about that." Uh, you know. So, but generally speaking, uh, I do wonder about supplement supplement interactions as well as supplement and drug interactions. Um, one product that I, I'm I'm on the fence with, but I I usually tell people to steer clear of it because I think the jury is still out is Garcinia Cambogia, and this is a popular weight loss herb also goes by the name hydroxy citric acid. I have seen uh, several case reports that have popped up over the years of people taking Garcinia Cambogia supplements who have developed liver failure. And what's going on with that? I'm not sure. Case reports usually involve one person. Person goes to the hospital, they have something weird that happens, doctor says, hey, that's weird, and they write it up in a medical journal. And then people like me see this. There's been several instances of this happening. Do I think it's likely? No, because I don't see a lot of I don't see hundreds of these reports. But what about that one millionth person? I don't know what to make of this. And so I normally would tell people, A, uh, I'm not sure what's happening with the Garcinia Cambogia and the liver issues. So A, it's probably, maybe you stay clear of it just until we know more. But beyond that, I'm, I'm not convinced Garcinia Cambogia helps people lose weight. And so uh, in that respect, I'd say you don't need Garcinia Cambogia because I see just as many studies showing me it may work as it doesn't work. And so right off the bat, it, it, you know, the studies may not be the greatest, it's hard, you know, it's hard to say, but I, I'm not convinced it works. And the liver failure just mixes me to willies a little bit. So I'm just saying, yeah, stay clear of that.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah that's, good. that's interesting, good to know. Um, yeah, I, I always try and, I've never tried to take a weight loss supplement, but yeah, I guess they, they, they do a lot of raising the kind of, what would you say, raising the heart, right? And you get palpitations and that's how you lose weight. And they, they to me, do sound a bit dangerous. And
1: a lot, of the, a lot of the stuff uh, in America will have stimulants. A lot of weight loss things will have, you know, caffeine and other stimulants together, which may have an additive effect. And my concern when it comes to stimulants is the the very people who may want to use these the most may have the most, side of, most health problems. They may have diabetes. They may have heart disease. They may have high blood pressure. And when you take a lot of stimulants, what do these things do? As you said, they raise your heart rate. They raise your blood vessels. They squeeze your blood vessels together. And so I think some of the bad side effects may be more prevalent in people who have more health problems. And that's why I'll always fall back on fiber, for instance, as a weight loss supplement, because it doesn't have any bad side effects, and it's not going to raise your heart rate and blood pressure and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I mean the fiber thing at the start is really interesting for, for weight loss and water as well. Uh, just to touch on, you've got quite a few books. Uh, one of your books I was fascinated by, I, it's got a kind of very fancy name, and I can't even pronounce it, but it was about the dangers of over-exercising. What's, what's, yeah. that, what's that? Is it Rab,
1: Rabdo? Rabdo? Rab, Rabdo? Rabdo. Rabdo. Yeah, it's, it's, and that's short for rhabdomyolysis. And uh, one of the things I do is I train personal trainers. So uh, in America, you have to have a certification before fitness centers will hire you. And I'm one of the people who's tasked with the job of teaching them what they should know, and what, you know what, what they should do and not do. And, and for the last 10 years, I've been teaching them about rhabdomyolysis. Because quite frankly, when I first learned about it over 10 years ago, I said, wait a minute, nobody taught me this. And I have a master's degree in exercise science. And, and then I looked through all the books I have of all the different organizations out there. And they didn't talk about it either. And I said, wait a minute, what's going on here? And so I started talking about it. And uh, most personal trainers in America have never heard of it. Fortunately, it's getting some publicity now, and I like to think that I'm one small part of that. But I wrote a book, which I often say is the first book in America, maybe the world, on on exercise-induced rhabdomyolysis. So what is it? Rhabdomyolysis literally means muscle fiber death. And it is a medical phenomenon that occurs when you do too much physical activity too quickly. And here's the kicker. It's especially physical activity that you're not used to doing. And when you do a lot of stuff that you're not used to doing, especially in a short period of time, it causes a cascade of events that results in your muscles dying. And when they die, the contents inside your muscle fibers will leak into your bloodstream And this can cause catastrophic problems in some instances. Uh, Many people who are listening to us may be aware of one of the more common side effects, which is actually a rarity, and that's kidney failure. Uh, There's a compound in our blood um, that can, in our muscle cells, by the way, and when it gets in our bloodstream, it clogs up our kidneys, and that's called myoglobin. And uh, in extreme cases, people will go into the hospital and the doctors may have to do surgery uh, to relieve the swelling that can occur in the, in, in the muscles that are involved in the activity because your muscles can start to swell up. Uh, and, you're, and you may start to urinate a very dark-colored urine, um, and, and you get ver- a lot of pain, uh, extreme pain, extreme muscle pain. And so I decided to write a look about it because I wanted to tell people uh, about this. Because extreme exercise, hardcore, really intense exercise programs are becoming very popular. Uh, but also most personal trainers have never heard of this phenomenon. And so um, I decided I was going to tell them about it.
2: Yeah, so h- how much exercise is too much exercise then? Or is it very,
1: I guess, by and- person? That's a really good question, and it, it is going to vary. So there are people out there who can go into the military and go through boot camp, and they'll never get it. And then there is the person who got it from only doing 30 sit-ups a day for one week. That's an actual case report. Yeah. So I can't tell by looking at somebody who is most likely to get rhabdomyolysis. Uh, and so it is gonna, there may be a genetic predisposition. Nobody's ever isolated the rhabdo gene that I'm aware of, but there are... There is some uh, speculation that it may be connected to the sickle cell anemia trait, which is you have one gene for sickle cell anemia, but you don't have the other gene. Having one gene may predispose you to rhabdo. Uh, so that's, that's a possibility. Some colleges in America do actually do genetic testing uh, on, their, on their college athletes for, for this and other phenomenons. So um, that's something. But I can't tell by looking at you. Um, So you you
2: can pick it up early, I guess if you do, and then you can kind of modify your program or, and then it wouldn't be kind of limiting to keep exercising at a lighter level? Is that right?
1: absolutely. I think the best defense against rhabdomyolysis is A, education. Uh, The more people know about it, the less likely I think it's going to happen. But also, progress your body slowly. Uh, Don't start out doing 10 sets of the leg press, for instance. Start out with one set. As I like to tell people, uh, when it comes to rhabdomyolysis and not getting it, first increase the reps you can do, then increase the sets you're doing, and then increase the weight you're lifting. First increase the reps, then the sets, then the weight. When you do that, you're progressing your body slowly. You're giving the body the time it needs to adapt to the exercise, and you're making you're making exercise induced rhabdo much less likely to occur. Um, and I think if you follow that that advice, most people would never get rhabdo.
2: Yeah, I think yes. Yeah, so, you know, we get into that kind of new year kind of fitness regimes. Uh, You see a lot of people just do these kind of gung-ho, kind of massive kind of one-week, two-week burst and then drop off uh, and probably, you know, massive risk of injuries and, as you say, rhabdo in terms of, you know, serious implications. So I guess, yeah, as you're saying, it probably makes sense just to ease your way in. So what was it? First reps, then weight, then sets? Is that right?
1: First increase the reps, then increase the sets, and then increase the weight.
2: Okay, so increase the reps, then increase the weight, then increase the sets?
1: No, (laughs) first (laughs) increase (laughs) the reps... First increase the reps, then the sets, then the weight. So, reps, for instance, sets, weight. So you're on a leg press, you're doing 10 reps, let's go to 15. You're doing one set of 15 reps, let's go to two sets of 15 reps. Then, let's go to fifth, then we'll, go, we'll go to three sets of 15 reps. Well, you can go to three sets of 15 reps and it's easy, then we'll increase the weight.
2: Yeah, because yeah, yeah, uh, I guess the yeah, weight you can is the most thing you're going to injure yourself with, right? And you know, if you're yeah. doing the same weight at high reps, you're only going to fail but not injure yourself.
1: Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, we, we sometimes talk about rhabdomyolysis in America like it's only common to uh, resistance training, and and that's not true. There's been a, many case reports over the years of people getting it from indoor cycling classes too, and, and this makes perfect sense because rhabdo happens when you do a lot of stuff you're not used to doing. You walk into a class, you take an indoor spinning class, you've never done it before, and the class lasts 45 minutes to an hour, and you're pushing yourself really hard. That, yeah. that, it, people can cause it as well. So, what I would say, if people are taking any kind of group exercise class, when you feel tired, get up and leave. You don't have to keep up with the class, you don't have to keep up with the instructor, and you don't have to feel embarrassed if, you ha- if you're walking out of the class. It's okay, I'd rather you walk out of the class. Uh, so, you know, when, when, you're, when, you're, when you're doing, we we're talking aerobic exercise, just slowly increase the time you're working out. Don't go from zero to 60 minutes and you've never done that before. Start with 10 minutes, go to 15 minutes, go to 20 minutes.
2: Yeah, just common sense. I remember actually, there's a show here in the UK called uh, 24 Hours in A&E, and uh, it's basically like a reality, but kind of you know done kind of authentically in a hospital. And they had a girl come in, like a young, fit girl come in from a, from a spinning class actually. And I remember her kind of, she had not done it before, and uh, she was rushed to A&E because I, I don't know what exactly the medical term was, but her muscles had kind of, you know, weren't used to it, and kind of, uh, I guess you know, in doing this thing you've talked about, um, disintegrated a bit
1: most likely was uh, you with, with, with any, usually with rhabdo you sometimes also see swelling uh, of the arms and legs and in case of spinning or cycling you might see uh, swelling of the, of, the, of the thigh muscles that makes sense uh, in some people again, it's a rarity, not everybody gets it you know millions of people do these things every day and they never have any problems like this uh, yeah. but I, I have uh, I've gotten emails from people all over the world over the years who have told me hey, this happened to me and I'm like, you know, I, I feel so bad for them when they tell me this uh, because it's just it, it's something that doesn't have to happen. Uh, education, I think, is is the uh, is, is the best defense against this. And you know, and you guys over in the UK, I think you do have uh, uh, some some bragging rights. I believe I believe the very first case of indoor cycling induced rhabdo was discovered and reported about in Scotland uh, about ten or twelve okay. years ago. <laughs> I believe that's the case report every year. Probably, to-
2: probably some uh, deep fried bar haggis loving <laughs> guy giving spinning for a go for the first time.
1: Maybe.
2: (laughs) Uh, Before we go, we'll wrap up, but I thought, now, you can shoot me down. I thought we'd play, now this could go horribly wrong, play a little game. Okay. Uh, I can't get the supplement geek on and not not have a little game about supplements. So, it's very simple. I go, no, actually, you go, then I go, and we just keep going until one of us fails, and we just keep naming supplements. Do you this game, right? Now, I know, I've got my supplements here, and I've got this multivitamin, which has got, like... 25 ingredients on the back so I know you might not trust me so i put it over here Okay. I'm not, I'm not reading off the ingredients or anything and I, I presume this isn't going to last very long but okay. uh, let's just fire away okay St. John's wort. Echinacea Omega 3 Vitamin A Vitamin D
1: Raspberry Ketones Ginko. Aged garlic extract, Vitamin E, CoQ10, Vitamin B12, Garcinia Cambogia, uh, Ginger, Creatine,
2: Whey protein,
1: Xena, mm, since <laughs> you mentioned it, <laughs>
2: uh, cod liver oil, fish oil. Um, uh, vitamin C Is that like vitamin D? No, vitamin. D <laughs> I, right. I, I think I'm out you could have went for ages you know one's just come to me very random one horny goat weed, just came to me then
1: yeah and, and that's, a, that's a great one horny goatweed uh, also goes by the name epidinamin and it finds its way into male performance supplements uh, makes sense horny goatweed.
2: yeah um, it goes well with them ones
1: yeah I have no faith in that product I don't believe that herb works
2: That is is one that's all about the name
1: Yeah, I don't believe that That actually is going to work for what people think it's going to work for
2: (laughs) Yeah, well I I think You well and truly won the supplement game And thanks a lot for taking time out to talk to us It's it's been, uh, I've really enjoyed it And fascinating to find out I'll probably, you know, I'll I'll keep Taking supplements, but I'll I'll definitely when, When some of these run low uh, I'll think twice before just automatically, you know, rebuying them and, you know, think what I'm actually getting from the diet, as you said, to start off with the salads, is your base. You know, if you're getting most of what you need from that, do you need to be, you know, splashing the cast on loads of supplements? But I'll probably still take a few. Yeah, you're uh, stuck. in As I say, the ZMA, Yeah, uh, your love <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. probably stop, <laughs> stop taking them and
2: drop dead. <laughs> blame, uh, yeah, just, you won't blame the supplement you. geek.
1: Yeah, and if, and if you're thinking anything in the future just shoot me an email and uh, I'll, I'll be glad to give you my uh, my so called expert opinion on things
2: yeah definitely I'll, I'll keep you updated uh, with my supplement goings on and do you want to tell the, guy, the guys listening how, how they can find out more about you or how they can keep in touch
1: sure they can find me at supplement-geek.com my name is Joe Cannon uh, find me on Instagram supplement geek but mostly I'm a blogger at supplement-geek.com
0: that was Joe Cannon, the Supplement Geek. Really useful nuggets on supplements. And I think we can take a lot from that and potentially cut down our supplements that aren't really effective or essential and save a bit of dough. That'd be good, wouldn't it? And try and get uh, try and get what we need, our vitamins and that from, from our diet. As he said, have a salad. So thanks for listening and uh, let us know what you took from today's show, what supplements you take or what supplements you're going to try after this or ditch after this. And um, yeah, I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks a lot for listening.